Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Add commentary into your text. I put, put director's commentary, explain why a thing is a way that it is, um, because that lets people think more about what they're reading. Welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast, the show that calls on the champions and new contenders of the tabletop RPG arena. My name is Jeremy Gage, and I am learning about tabletop game design and publishing. If you are a budding game designer or a veteran looking for fresh musings, stay tuned as we learn about the inspirations, processes, and philosophies of professionals in the industry. everyone welcome to the draw your dice podcast this is jeremy gage as you heard in the intro but as always it's not about me today today i have a very amazing guest who i heard about on the party of one podcast first that's the first time i've ever heard your voice guest i can't say your name yet uh they are the creator of Gun and Slinger, which is trending like a motherfucker in the indie scene, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and is also the host of the Pen and Paper People podcast, I would like to welcome to the show, Nevin Holmes. <sighs> thank you. Thank you. Hello. Hi, I'm Nevin. Hi, <laughs> Nevin. <laughs> in case there's an edit issue there was a technical issue seconds before this introduction so hello everyone i i told you i was bringing chaotic energy to a wholesome podcast and the universe said all right let's do it you want chaos here's here's chaos I'm in it, dude. Uh, yes, Nevin and I uh, have connected through the Brain Trust as many of my guests uh, throughout this series. I hope that that expands, but it's not like the Brain Trust isn't filled with some of the greatest people there's, I've ever met. There's so many people in there. There's so and many there are, people in there. They're all good. <laughs> they're all good. Why does one place have so many good people? I don't understand it. It's like the opposite of Twitter. Yeah. 
damn it, Twitter. Damn you. There are good people on Twitter. I have a heavily curated Twitter, so I like I'm to not that dangerously, and I like to be mad every now and then. So my Twitter is. I want to be notified Twitter... about hashtag D and D. My Twitter is where I go to feel things. Yeah. <laughs> to remind myself, I have emotion. Um, hi. I'm Nevin Holmes. Yes, please uh, introduce they, yourself to the people. He, they, they, he. Um, if I know you, use whatever. I, it doesn't matter. I have pronouns sometimes. Uh, I, as Jeremy said in the wonderful intro that I immediately threw out the window, um, <laughs> I designed Gun and Slinger, a game for two or three players about weird magic in a sentient gun. Um, I've designed a bunch of other stuff, all of which is extremely good, and you can find on my website, nevin.games. Uh, and your Twitter handle? It. Oh, at Fork20. Awesome, awesome. There's no guarantee that people make it the full 90 minutes into this show, so I want to make sure that they can find you immediately. True, true, fair and true, especially <laughs> with the strange energy that this episode already has. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> We may not even talk about games. We may just talk about... We might just talk about anime. Yeah. Listen. We could. I think um, I think about starting an anime podcast every once in a while. If you want that, it's let really me know. Tempting. It's, it's really tempting to just start a podcast to talk about every single hyper-focus I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Find my up? niche I, in every I, niche. I have, I have a big-time ADHD, and, like, every week it's, oh... This thing is cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dive right in. Right now it's screen printing. I'm trying to not dive into screen printing without <laughs> looking first. But man, I could I could pr I could screen print the covers for You're in Space. Uh, that would be super cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I can screen print. Anyways, <laughs> what are we here to talk about, Jeremy? <laughs> So welcome to the podcast about game design and publishing. Screen printing is tangentially important. Uh, great intro. Thank you for being on the show, Nevin. As always, a sort of icebreak people into who you are. Uh, why don't you give just a brief touch on A or 1 or 1A. What was maybe like your first role-playing game that got you into the discipline, hobby, whatever the professional word you want to attach to it is? And then what game or system kind of prompted you to start designing games or want to design games? Yeah. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, like most people I started, I started with D and D. Uh, I started with fourth edition. Um, and it was a group of mostly shitty people. Um, but I had fun. I got to do a lot of homebrew stuff with the GM. Um, it was a good time, generally speaking. Uh, and then we moved to 3.5, uh, and I actually ran my first campaign there, and it was awful. It was a terrible GM, and it was a terrible time. Um, flash forward a few years, crit roll starts. I get back into D&D. My friends get into D&D because of it. I start running a game. My friends start running a game. But I didn't really start... What, what got me to start designing games was Zine Quest 2017 or 2018. Uh, I picked up Will Yopst's uh, Black Mass. 
uh, and Mary Inger's Casket Land. And that zine quest is what, like, blew my mind open and was like, oh, there are other games and you can design them and they don't have to use dice. Mm -hmm. You can just make a game that uses things. And I went down a rabbit hole and before I knew it, I had a shelf drawer thing filled with zines that I hadn't read and games that I'll never run. And now I'm a game designer. The first game that I made, uh, the first game I made was back in elementary school. Uh, I designed, I was talking about this on Twitter, like last night. Um, I designed a hack of Candyland, uh, called back to school, uh, where you play as students who are trying, it's a start of the school year. And, like, the board follows a path through the school year. And you're essentially trying to speed run or escape school. Um, it uses cards the same way that Candyland does, and it also uses dice. I don't remember any of the systems beyond that because I was, I don't know, eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then most recent, in, in the modern era of Nevin, uh, the first game that I designed is called Thou Hast Been Called Out. Mm-hmm. Um, it is... Just kind of a gonzo RPG that combines, like, social media language with high fantasy Mm -hmm. Um, and your Twitter account. uh, Your HP is equal to your Twitter followers. Um, It's that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It uses, like, a a 1D6 or a 2D6 roll-under system. I think it's a really good game, but it's also a major shit post. I designed it in four hours. I had it finished the first day I had the idea. I love and then it. I designed a game called Skeletons, uh, which is a lasers and feelings hack about being skeletons who work in the IT department of uh, a run-of-the-mill corporation. And that game is my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> do you work in Do you work in IT? Yeah. Yeah, my oh. day job is IT. Uh, I am the help desk manager of a small uh, managed service provider down here in down here in good old Texas. Well, thank you for all that support. I'm sure you were giving a lot of it during uh, that winter storm that was down there. Mm, yeah, that was real fun. Super fun. Extremely exciting. Powerful sarcasm. <laughs> Honestly, thankfully, we like when. When COVID first started up, we, Mm -hmm. like, had to rush to figure out a lot of ways to support people remotely. Mm -hmm. So, thankfully, we already had the infrastructure in place. Yeah. So, it actually wasn't too bad. It was, honestly, kind of chill. You get it? I get it. it. We're in a pause for laughter? (coughs) For the laugh track? Just edit in some, like, crickets (laughs) and we're good. Yeah, and clear. No, uh, thank you for that support and and braving that, that... inclement weather plus these trying times that we're in so uh i i applaud you if no one else is thank you i don't Uh, deserve it but thank you oh god uh but i love what i love about your designs nevin at least for the games that i've been exposed and the ones you're telling me about now is that they have almost this i know you mentioned that they they have like the some of them have the ship post energy to them but also they have like this uh what do i say like 
maybe I don't have a good word for it off the top, but like this romanticism or this like poeticness about them where like you when you name them, when you give them their titles, like one of the games we'll talk about later, the, the space game, I don't want to say the full thing yet. But like they have yeah, these very, we only um, get to say its name once, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we get one for the full name. We got to make it count. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. All right, you get it twice because it's in the it's in the name. Uh, cool. But uh, it just it's interesting that to see these designs that have almost this poetry to them. Like they immediately give you a sense of what you're about to open the book to play. Like. I know a lot of people rely on the art direction of the cover or the synopsis on the back or first page of the book or something like that. But you almost get it right on the title. Like someone shares the name of your game. It's like, oh, I know exactly what that's about. Right. Whereas like, I don't know, maybe I play something like Pathfinder, right? Like Pathfinder isn't a very evocative title. I need to be able to see the cover for that to like fully click for me. So I think it's some powerful stuff. I think you have a really good sense of that. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm looking at my game names now, and yeah, they're named pretty good. I got some good game names here. Yeah. Not to uh, not to toot my own horn, but they rule. They fucking rip. Oh, I used my one. Oh no! That <laughs> so means early. that means I have to say the title of the game when we get to it. You can't. We're good. <laughs> you we got one two. more. You got oh, two. I get two. Yeah, awesome. You cool. get two. Uh, cool. You only get one. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess this know, podcast episode's rated R now. Sorry. No, that's fine. If it, I. For everyone who doesn't know, I have like a little uh, prompt to guest information sheet that like I put on there as a PG-13 for like to quell anyone that might come on that's just going to offload F-bombs into the into the whole podcast. I'm fine with F-bombs. You just can't unload a whole machine gun of them into the podcast. It's, it's good that it's there because I do swear a lot. <laughs> I also swear a ton. Uh, but yeah, anyways, games. Uh, <laughs> games. No, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, for for me, in it, like just to commiserate the, I also started when I finally like got touched on to Critical Role, and you know, for as much as I'm in this uh, moot point with the Critical Role series and D and D and whatever, uh, it's just something I still always go back to because I think it holds a special nostalgia in my heart as like what brought me. It reminds you what brought me to, the 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 discipline, the hobby, if you will. I can definitely understand that. And there's like as much shit as I give D and D and as I give crit roll and as much shit as those things deserve Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. some reasons that we don't really need to get into. Sure. Um, there's definitely something special about them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I honestly think that it's hard to deny how important those things have been to me and to many others Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in, in getting into the hobby. Um, like honestly, I, I would not be a game designer without critical role right? because I wouldn't have gotten back into TTRPGs and my Mm -hmm. friends wouldn't have gotten into it to Mm -hmm. start with. Mm -hmm. Like, um, my wife and I, we have our two best friends, uh, Sam and Vince. My wife is Jam, by the mm-hmm. way. Awesome designer. I'll plug awesome her designer. Later. I'll, I'll, add, um, I'll add to the show notes. Good, good. Um, but they got into RPGs because they were like, oh, we really like these voice actors, and they're doing a show. This is super, super cool. Hey, we want to play now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it created a, a wholesome, unique space for us mm-hmm. that would not exist otherwise. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, 
I think that will allow us to start getting into the meat of the show, uh, the first game. I know you've talked about this on Party of One uh, podcast with Jeff Stormer, who uh, I look up to and I just booked an interview with. So look forward to the yes. Jeff Stormer episode. Oh, uh, that's going to be good. Jeff is amazing. I, I'm, I'm very, very excited. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's when I first heard about Gun and Slinger because there was something. Did I see a Twitter post? It was either a Twitter post or it was literally the first day that I joined the Brain Trust that was sort of like popping in a chat or something like that. I was like, oh, what is what is Gunslinger? I'm learning about indie games. I just like started branching out to like Forge in the Dark systems and stuff and uh, I'm being exposed to past Zine Quest projects. And sounded amazing at that time. It's only like, it's like a fine wine. It's only gotten better since then. Uh, I had the pleasure of being able to read it, and we're going to talk about it, and it's so good. I'm going to say it a bunch of times, but get the game. Like, there's no reason not to get this game. There's no reason. It's so good. It has a lot of things for everyone, especially because of its very successful Kickstarter run and hitting all the stretch goals and these additional designers that have added a lot of different settings to the game. There's a lot for everyone here. Like, it's a, I think it's a very... A universal kind of game when it comes to setting. So I'm really excited to talk about it today. Thank you very much. I am honestly like I I love this game so much. I love and it. I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to just be me like yeah I well okay no I do definitely yeah. maintain a constant energy of <laughs> I make good shit yeah uh, because I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I maintain the fact that I have never once made a bad game, and I never will. Yeah, Nevin uh, Holmes, only do, bangers. If I do make a bad game, you do not see it. <laughs> or you don't see this version of it. Yeah, well, or I just stop making it. You never made a bad game, never will. Gun and Slinger rules. Uh, for the people at home who may not be familiar with what Gunslinger is, why don't you just give a brief introduction of what what the game is about? And you can leave, you don't have to talk about like Sword and Bearer and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I will because those yes. are also amazing. Yes, also. Um, and I'm just gonna read the ad copy, baby. Here we go. Let's go. Uh, Gun and Slinger is an RPG geared for short episodic sessions about a weapon and a wanderer. A maestro, a GM basically, and two players as the gun and the slinger set out into a dead planet mutated by a god's forgotten child and hunt strange bounties, investigate the world, and unlock hidden powers. During play, they seek to learn the nature of what's hunting the slinger, figure out why the gun is sentient, and discover how the world died. Uh, it is a game that is played using Go Fish and Blackjack, um, something I honestly don't think I have seen done in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a wholly unique resolution system that I'm super, super proud of and really, really allows for some awesome moments of tension in play. Uh, In addition, like you said, uh, the Kickstarter hit all of its stretch goals, and we've got three additional things in here. Uh, There's an additional character by Adira Slattery called The Demon. Uh, There's a playset called Mech and Pilot written by Pam Punzalan. I'm butchering that name. Um... And there is also the playset Sword and Bearer by Viditia Valetti. And just <laughs> every single person who came to the table to work on this blew it out of the water. I am 
I cannot say it enough. I am blown away by the quality and passion that that everyone put into this. The artists, the layout, the designers. Like, it's... God, it's good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good to look at, too. I, I was telling my partner, Grace, uh, this is one... I don't, I'm trying to move into a, a, a mindset for my like living situation where like I, I like to live a very minimalistic, no items sort of lifestyle. And this is one of the few games that I would allow to break like that rule to have a physical copy of. Cause it's that like, I would love to see it in a print format with all of its amazing typography and filigree and art direction. in it. it's a beautiful book to look at in addition to read. Yeah. Uh, Santa Posadas did a fantastic job on the layout, um, I, I brought them on kind of last minute because some stuff happened in production, and they absolutely killed it and met the brief, met and exceeded the brief on all levels in a shorter amount of time than I ever want anyone to have to work on anything. Mm. Uh, they did the layout for the core gun and slinger. Uh, and then Jam came on and did the layout for Mech and Pilot and Sword and Bearer, and I did the layout for the Demon. Like when I when I say we we were crunching on this, we we really really were. Mm-hmm. But ev- seriously, everyone came together and blew it away. I I totally agree. I I one hundred percent agree. Um, at, you know, sort of my first question for the game is you know why this game? What what came to you? What started to trigger this? get it trigger uh yeah. <laughs> uh what what made this game possible what was the idea that start started this whole endeavor like every single one of my games it started as a shit post great it, it genuinely it did there were what was it um there was a game jam called the Talk to Transformer Jam. And essentially what you do is you take the titles of all of your games and your work in progress games and you put them into Talk to Transformer, which is a neural net that pumps out text based on what you put in. Mm-hmm. And the idea is this thing is going to spit out a list of game titles. You have to pick one and make it. Mm-hmm. And one of the game titles that I got was Your Gun is a Gunslinger. And that was going to be, I took that and I was like, okay, so this had, it was originally going to be a versus game of a Wild West gunslinger and their gun. And it was going to be like a shootout Mm. between the two. Um, And I knew I wanted to do something weird with it because this is a weird name. So it needs a weird system. So I was like, all right, uh, I bet I can make go fish work for this. Why not? Let's try that. And as I wrote it and that that version of the game actually never existed. I never made that. It went straight to being this go fish thing is really cool. What if I made this collaborative and it just evolved into Gun and Slinger, which is I think uh good as I've said <laughs> as we'll continue it, to say. It it started as a shit post. It really did. And I I think that there's I'm kind of rambling here, but I think that there's something really great about being able to take a, a one-off little like, oh, haha, look at this kind of idea and just design it and let it grow and become something that I think is like, to me, it's really important. Mm-hmm. And I also think that it it does some really cool design things. Mm-hmm. Like, 
let your shit posts breathe. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know that um, I've had Keegan on the show prior to you who also made a game based off a shit post. Uh, I know that Adam Bell also did a similar thing and then was like trending in seconds on itch right after that. Like it was the star heist slash stat heist situation. Yep. Uh, Keegan, I don't know if I can say that. Well, people know Keegan and I are like kind of working on a game that is from a shit post together. I love, I love it. I'm so excited. It's just, that's, I, I think that. Good ideas are born from comedy, mm-hmm. whether the final idea is comedy or not. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's like one of those things where I think it's interesting. When I think about artistic endeavors, I think some people, when they when they first approach it, might think, okay, I got to have some grand idea. I got to challenge something in the world. It's got to be very like, and they're racking their brain to figure out how to encapsulate this giant thought where I think you also have to be open to these tiny thoughts that just kind of like fart outside of you. And then you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. No, absolutely. That doesn't smell bad. (laughs) Well, (laughs) well, there's something to be said about people who smell their own farts, but we don't need to have that conversation. Well, I'm that person. So, okay. Oh no, me too. (laughs) Um, No, I, Hey everyone, Jeremy here. So there were some audio issues with this particular portion of Nevin's uh, audio. So I believe the general gist we were talking about is how you can take these small ideas and you shouldn't really let them go, like things that just sort of appear inside of your mind, and uh, write them down. Don't let them. Don't let the fleeting idea escape because you don't know when it's going to become your next larger idea. And uh, it's also important to take micro-concepts of your work in consideration to test out mechanisms. So, for instance, if you have an idea for a larger game, why not take your set building or your NPC building mechanics and gamify those and see if they hold ground before adding them to the bigger game. Anyways, I hope that sums up the general portion of this Uh, audio for you and helps contextualize the forward passages that we talk about here. Yeah, I had, um, it's interesting to talk about that sort of taking small bits of a bigger idea and turning them into multiple little games. I had, uh, I mean, not necessarily little, that I have to get more used to not saying that word. Different, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had Kurt Potts on here, and we were talking about Lighthearted, and he mentioned his... I, I love it. Uh, but he mentioned the other game we talked about, oh, shit, Dark Sigil, Dark Dark Room Sigil. I'm sorry, Kurt, I can't remember it off the top of my head, and I don't have my thing open. But basically, he made... He was trying to figure out how, like, dark magic worked and lighthearted. So he kind of just made another game as a part of that solo journaling game. And like, um, I find that very cool. And when you say it too, I think about like my big game ideas, like, okay, what can I sort of like do as little games to sort of like test a bunch of different systems out? Like, I think something to think about too, when you talk about this style of design is that 
when you have this big grand idea and you start sectioning off these little bits, it's almost like rapid small gear playtesting, playstorming. The elites say playstorming, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, you know, okay, I want to see if my resolution system works. So like, let's see if I can put it in something else smaller, like get the idea, get the same ethos behind it and use the resolution system, but not the game, right? Make a completely different game, right? Like I think about, uh, uh, in Kaleidoscope, I, I had this thought after reading Gunslinger 2, I was thinking about like, and, uh, both me and Nevin have played Magic the Gathering. So maybe Nevin will understand this a little bit more than maybe some listeners, but, uh, I was reading the lore for Ikoria Lair of Behemoths, that Magic the Gathering Plains set, the one with like all the animals and monsters and there's the hunters and stuff. But um, there is this concept of like the, the Halgar or something, strange Magic the Gathering word, but um, it's about animal bond, like bonding with an animal. And I read Gun and Slinger, I was like, oh, what about like beast and man? Like, what if I tried to, because I thought about this matching dice system and like syncing and stuff like that. And like you've arranged the sync. So you saying that inspires me, like maybe make this sort of solo or not solo, but maybe like two person beast and man thing and test like this dice system out that way. Because I want to see that proof of concept. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I love it. Um, well, that's, so that's the intro to Gunslinger. You talked about the Go Fish, and was it just like you just wanted to test yourself with Go Fish and, and this blackjack system, this resolution? Because for me, I agree, it's unique. I've read a lot of Brain Trustees games. I've seen, I constantly hunt for card based systems. So I've read stuff like, uh, what is it called? Unbound. I've seen, um, Oh shit, they're all like escaping me at this exact moment. Oh, what was that new uh mnemonic, that mnemonic game that was on Kickstarter like 2 months ago? Anyways, I've been hunting for them. Yeah. A lot of them are like very ter Yeah, yeah. I think um um there are very like tarot-based systems. It's like very like prompt generation solely most of the time. I love what I saw in Gun and Slinger. So you started Go Fish. Did Blackjack come later? Did you did you have a tough time with cards? Like, did you have a tough time trying to figure out how to make a card system work since there wasn't a lot of example for you? Talk talk to me about that. Since it's not dice, I'd love to hear about it. I'm very much probably to a fault. Uh, someone who will stick to an idea until it either works or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the way that it works, baby. Um, <laughs> baby. I didn't really, uh, th- this will sound like a little fat headed, but I didn't really have trouble designing it either. Interesting. Um, I, and it, that probably has a bit to do with the fact that I don't super care about the idea of balance. Sure. Um, I think it's a myth and I think that you should design something for feel and mm-hmm. with exception, right? Like there's a whole lot of discussion to be had about theory and balance and all that stuff that mm-hmm. I don't super want to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, because theory makes my head hurt. Um, but I, I I tried Go Fish, and honestly, I had a baseline resolution system, and it just worked. It felt right, and it felt cool, and it felt unique to mm-hmm. be sitting at a table with someone doing role-playing and interfacing with these cards in a way that you typically don't. Um, like, dice don't feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, blackjack did come later, because I realized that there needed to be something that really brought forward the idea of 
these two characters doing something together. Mm -hmm. And that's like the purpose of the blind pay system, which Mm -hmm. is uh, blackjack, essentially. Uh, You have a difficulty, you have a modifier, and the two players need to play a card together without communicating to try and get under 21, essentially. Um, So for the listeners who haven't read the game, uh, a really good example is there's a big messed up spider coming at the gun and slinger. Um, They want to try and shoot it to not die. So the the maestro says, okay, this will be about the difficulty. So like get within five of 21. Mm -hmm. You need to not, you need to be within that difficulty Uh, And then the maestro also flips a random card from the top of the deck. That's the modifier. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's a three. Um, That means that whatever the gun and the singer play uh, is going to get three added to it. Mm -hmm. So without communicating, the two need to play a card from their hand. So let's say, Jeremy, you play a 10. I play a five. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's 15. Our total is 15. We are one short of within five of 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we get that plus three, right. bringing our total to an 18, and we make it. Mm-hmm. We succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it, it, it brings a really cool tension to, mm-hmm. to play. Um, it's like, I want to say it's hard to fail in this game, but then blind, pl- blind pays come up, and it's like, no, it's actually... Who knows what's going to happen? And it's so cool. It works really well. There's um, there's something to really be said. When you talked about the feel of the resolution system, It's it's it has a lot of immersion touch points. One, Gunslinger kind of has this Western baggage to it. And I mean that in the nicest yeah. way, right? It, has it, these, it definitely does. It has these conventional tones that really get brought to the uh, i agree i think if it was a dice system it wouldn't resonate as hard as it does when you're playing almost this combination of like go fish blind pay is also like this blackjack but it's also like playing like hearts or spades at a table right like you're not trying to communicate what you have in your hands without communicating what you have in your hands right you could say things like oh i feel good about this but you're your partner might not be feeling good about it because of their hand size, or they may just have like a bunch of twos and threes in their hand at this time. And then there's also this portion. It, it makes everyone a collaborative player because you add, you get the modifier from the Maestro's deck, right? Which uh, for those who may not know, gun and slinger can be played two or three players, two being the gun and the slinger. And then sort of like, a prompt deck, or you can have the Maestro uh, also be there as a third player. Is that correct? That's what I was. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's it's essentially a GM agnostic game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the only reason it's GM agnostic, <laughs> I I tweeted about it, and Jeff Stormer found my tweet and was like, "Can you play this with two players?" Uh-huh. And I said, "You know what? I bet you can." And then I designed it. Yeah. Um, so Jeff, if you're listening, uh, it, it the GM agnostic nature exists because of you, and I think it is super rad. Slaps. Um, but yeah, the, the Maestro is essentially just a GM. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have their own card mechanics, too. Like, yep. it's it's very asymmetrical all the way around. Which feels the good. The Maestro, 
It does. And I, I think it's really cool because you're all playing the same game, but you're playing it in slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. And it really lets you get in the headspace of your role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty cool. And it, it like I said, it feels it has that immersive weight for like just everything comes together, glues. And, you know, it feels like you're in a dingy saloon right? You're playing, you see these three people at a table, just sort of like not talking, glancing each other over, lays a card. Someone screams about, ah, this is bullshit. I think it's it's really funny because like, to talk about the Western baggage a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, one, uh, I'll say it right off the bat, Westerns are a problematic genre with a really troubled history Mm -hmm. of romanticizing colonialism and imperialism in some pretty shitty ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to great lengths to make sure that this game tells you don't do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, There's a wonderful segment at the beginning that I got help from our sensitivity consultant, um, Max, um, it's a whole thing. Uh, but it's, it's, it's funny because in Westerns, those people sitting at that table are playing like a serious game, like yeah. poker for serious, hard boiled yeah, yeah. cow poke. <laughs> uh, and here you're just playing go fish, yeah. man. Yeah. It's just go fish. You got any fives? No. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I love it. Uh, you know, I love the portion of this that is the thematic, uh, or, or set dressing of that Western element, I think is what, what I love about it. And you're right. It is a problematic genre for a big portion of what it says about past film and TV series design. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty rough. I actually, I like, I, I like to say that Gun and Slinger is not a Western, Mm -hmm. um, and I genuinely don't think that it is. Okay. It, it it has some trappings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to a degree, it participates in some tropes of the genre. And mm-hmm. you can you can call it a Western. Like, it's easy for it to be a Western. Mm-hmm. So many actual plays that I've seen have taken it in a, in a Western route. Mm-hmm. But I try to tell the players that it's not. Mm-hmm. Because I think that it's a more interesting game and more interesting setting to explore when you tell yourself don't follow these tropes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's much more interesting to play as a Mad Max game. Yeah. It's much more interesting to play as like a a Tomb Raider game. Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. there's, there's some very, very cool stuff that you can do and explore in this game when you say, okay, it's not a Western. I'm not. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm not going to be a shitty Western McGun dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like my biggest thing that screams when I first read it is Trigun. I thought of Trigun immediately. Yeah. So, yes. Um, <laughs> we were talking earlier about synthesis of design. Mm-hmm. Uh, the setting for Gun and Slinger. Um, this isn't anywhere in the book, mm-hmm. but um, it's actually based on a very old idea I had when I was a much, much younger shit poster. Um, it's, it's set on this planet called Sparsile. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a term for a very, very small star, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that setting is like super inspired by Borderlands and mm-hmm. Trigun and Chronicles of Riddick. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Like, I feel all so of this that. is when I, when I was originally working on this game, I, I was talking to Jay Dragon, actually. Uh, and Jay told me, hey, you're right. It was originally a Weird West game, like mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. And Jay made it very clear to me, like, hey, Westerns have this trouble, maybe do a different setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, you're always resistant to that kind of feedback. Somebody saying, hey, this might suck, do it different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent a, a fair amount of time, like, talking to people, getting input, and, and really seriously considering that feedback um and i did write a whole new setting i i wrote three or four different single setting pitches and i ran them around and got some help picking picking them and one of those pitches was that original idea for that planet sparsile for this this story that was going to be called rosemary Mm -hmm. um and i very heavily considered this to be an evolution of that Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, so I it's 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 Trigun, it's Riddick, it's Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. Nausicaa. Yep. It's God. It's it's so many things that I grew up with all in one. Yeah, it has this very. It has a little bit of this like twisted solar punk energy, um, and I also love the the language you use in the book as well. Like not only just the voice, but the word choice, the verbiage, all that stuff brings huge evocative tones. Like just the twist, the, the supernatural element for the entire setting uh, is, is so cool because it, it's both like in world and it's also fourth wall, like metagame breaking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it says, here's the plot twist. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I'm super, super proud of the twist. I think something that I wanted 
uh, is something that's a problem with Westerns and honestly, like a lot of settings Mm -hmm. is that they say, here's this people. These are Mm -hmm. the bad guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's really shitty to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You see it in D&D with with the drow. Yep. yep. Uh, It's I'm going to use one of them. It's fucked up. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely and I, so. I, 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 I very specifically did. I did not want this to be a game where it says, uh-oh, there's bandits. Uh, oh, they're tribal. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's shitty, and I didn't want to do that. So I said, all right, we are going to make this. I, I love cosmic horror. We're just going to make something um, that has nothing to do with anything. And is here to ruin your day. <laughs> Absolutely it is, ruin it. <laughs> it is 100% in fiction and out of fiction, just there to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It has no relation to any real world peoples. Mm-hmm. It is, it's actually, and this was pointed out to me, I didn't realize this when I was writing it, but the twist is the, the twist is the colonist. Mm-hmm. And you, you are, you are not playing as people who are going and colonizing. Mm -hmm. You are playing as people defending yourselves from an evil invading force that doesn't give a shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very much considered. And also it lets you do cool shit with a villain. What, what I love about what you said there that, that sort of is like, uh, kind of lighting me up inside is that. When you talk about when, especially when we talk about fantasy settings, like fantasy in general, there's always a bad people, a bad person, a bad like it's always you always point and say that person can definitively be no good at no point in this in this setting, story, whatever have you. And I find it interesting that as we try to ev- or what I want to kind of provoke is that as we start to think about these genres and evolve them into a space that is open to less colonial style ideas to make the enemy nature or to make the, cause there's also something we said about pointing at a person, a people and also calling them a colonist, right? Because it's sort of this still reversing of the same instance. And I, you know, for anyone who may not know, I'm black. There are different implications that I'm constantly, as I'm saying all this, I'm constantly like rewriting things in my brain through my personal lens and for the lens of people who may feel differently from me. But I think it's interesting as we evolve it to kind of create these enemies that are nature, monstrous, and that allow us to not attach them to the people, but maybe it allows for someone at their own personal table to work in a people that they want to examine right like they want to examine yeah exactly they can they can project their own coding on that entity but we as designers create this ambiguous thing that doesn't point at any that doesn't have the potential to attach itself to a real world instance which could potentially be damaging for someone it's 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 really interesting because when it uh, writing gun and slinger like after that was pointed out to me I, I really, I, I went back and I took a look at everything that I'd written and I actually adjusted things to kind of lean into that more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even say as much, I think, in, in some of the intro paragraphs. Um, but for me, the twist is explicitly an evil outside force. Explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. No denying it. It is there to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it's also representative of, mm-hmm. of some things for me. Like, mm-hmm. the twist is capitalism. Yeah. For me, the twist is capitalism. It's colonialist. It's imperialism. It's shitty people. Mm-hmm. Without being tied to shitty people like we were saying. Yeah. When the game got out into the wild and people started reading it, I there's... Uh, over in another Discord, there were some people who were talking about the twist and who actually had trouble with me saying this is explicitly an evil thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were saying, I actually... I'm trying to think of how to word this. The ADHD is kicking in hard right now. Hard. I'm um, here for it. They, there were people who turned around and said, I actually sympathize with the twist. I want to see the twist as sympathetic. I like they want there to be a level in their game where they meet either the twist or an agent of the twist um, and for them to be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, death of the author and all that. I'm not here to tell them that their fun is wrong, mm-hmm. but I think it's very interesting that people can take something that I wrote to be explicitly evil and say, but what if it's not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's one of the beautiful things about setting writing and about writing games or any kind of fiction or making any kind of art is that no matter what you put into it, people are going to take out something different. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's great because what mm-hmm. that means to me is that it, it doesn't mean to me, oh, these people think capitalism is not bad because I, I know these people and I know for a fact that they hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what it means to me is that they saw something different and 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 unique to them mm-hmm. in the words that I put down. And I think that's freaking beautiful. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I actually think it's when you when you point that out and sort of to to resonate with some of the things I was that started this is that I think it I think it's to a credit when you create a antagonism that is that is faceless but can wear a mask for any table right where yes yes you, absolutely you, absolutely you say those people are like hey I would love to see a sympathetic villain at the twist cool put it in there because it's able to do that right but when you when you I think would that same conversation have happened if you made that like a tyrant king like an actual person right if you made it a, a Voldemort if you made it a like if you made it a, a personified entity uh, would it I don't still so. have that same right exactly I that's where I, I, was I don't think to. so at all because what what that leans into is the stuff we were talking about earlier with the drow right and the Durgar yep. yep. and and all that stuff from the game that shall not be named yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, that's that's even reductive because it's it's not just a problem with D and D it's yeah. a problem with fantasy right it's yep. a problem with all all the Tolkienist shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes all the way back to Middle Earth and beyond. Mm-hmm. It's it's a trope that I think damns fantasy and that we need to put in real work to get beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. I, I hope people I hope people understand what I'm trying to say here is that like. Moving forward, let's think about ways to write settings with antagonisms that are not that are more idea than person or peoples. 
because exactly. it allows for flexibility uh, in terms of what it makes it versatile. It makes your game, or potentially, it makes your game more vers- versatile at the table because it applies to a wider berth because they can put their own set dressings on it. And it also creates, it makes you a stronger writer because you're thinking about larger concepts. You're not boiling down your game to think about a single antagonism. You're thinking about all of the new, the, the, yeah, the idea and the nuance of that idea, right? It allows for, I think that's what it is. It allows for nuance. That's the whole thing. It allows for nuance, whereas putting it to a people's or a person or a a very specific thing doesn't allow for nuance. It says, this is bad treated as bad and even if you have you know in the example of the drow even if you have your drist Drizzt. you still think yeah. of the drow as an evil entity drist is just an exception to the rule which isn't which also isn't good Driz- drist and every player character that's that even like makes them <laughs> makes the message worse mm-hmm. in some ways mm-hmm. like that that sits back and it says these people are bad but maybe not all of them. I don't know. Like one of them can be good, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah that's, exactly. That that screams middle-aged Republican to me, and I hate <laughs> it. Oh God! Um, what's up? I did it. I got political on a podcast. Yeah, uh, it's fine. That's <laughs> what I'm here for because um, I want to change the current landscape. So bring it on. I want to say, too, that uh, Viditya Valetti did a wonderful, wonderful job with the twist in his mm-hmm. playset for Gun and Slinger, uh, Sword and Bearer. Mm-hmm. We, he and I actually spent quite a bit of time going back and forth on how we want to use the twist because we want it to be represented differently in each playset. Mm-hmm. And Viditya did a wonderful, wonderful job of making the twist be, be capitalism in, in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's it's very much because in that setting, the twist is an entity that is more politically minded and has worked its way into the upper echelons of society and like is the ruling class. The twist is the bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, that like that ties evil to a people, but it's not it's not uh it's not a race. It's, yeah, yeah. It is once again a more solidly personified ideal, mm-hmm. um, and there's some similar things going on in Mech and Pilot as well. It's mm-hmm. I hired some good people for for yeah. this project, but it's also a good concept because again, would that be possible if the if the twist wasn't an idea? If it was a person, would would your support writers have been able to flex that hard if it if it had been something more concrete if it had been something or excuse me not concrete but more uh um tangible defined and tangible right i don't think so i mean uh let me say yes i think they would have because they're all amazing Yes. But I think it would have felt different. It it would have mm-hmm. breathed a different air if I hadn't done the twist the way that I had. And it would have been fine. It would have been good. Mm-hmm. But it, it wouldn't have been what it is now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, Gun and Slinger, everyone fucking just... Oh, I used it twice. <laughs> I can't help uh, it. Ah, shit. It's, well, it's real good. Rated R for Radical. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I can't believe I haven't said this yet, but uh, Emma Harvey is the artist on the project. Oh. And she 
is good at <laughs> art. I, literally, I what I what I love about <laughs> I like to hire people who I can just say, listen, here's the feel. Mm-hmm. You do it. Just do it. And Emma knocked it out the fucking park. Yeah, all the all like the calligraphy pieces, all of the like hashing and rough like uh, when I say rough concept drawing, it's that it's just this amazing line work that still breathes space and dimension and has a feeling to it. And uh, yeah, it's there's a there's a specific bonkers. there's a specific drawing that like makes me extremely, extremely happy every single time I see it. It's on the itch page, fork20.itch.io slash gun dash and dash slinger. Um, or bytes.rip slash GNS. Um, but it's the the third preview image of the skull growing on a tree branch. That's a flower. Like, I said, I want to... I, I told Emma, I want a fucked up Snapdragon thing. And she made that. And it's amazing. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's so, 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 so good. So good. So good. Is there anything before we before we move into the next segment, is there anything that you also sort of want to... I mean, I've gotten a lot from just these simply two points, but is there anything else you want to sort of draw attention to that might help other designs like a case study, right? Something that you think, uh, you know, when I present this question to Nevin, I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to <laughs> trying to ask them to inflate their own head and say, what do you, uh, what else do you think you did good? But as like a case study, what's something else that you were trying to execute with the game that you think is trying, that might start to adjust the landscape of how, if someone were to like, man, I love Gunslinger, I would love to do a Gunslinger hack, what what are some points that you should that they should take into consideration when they read your game? I think that the way language mm-hmm, language mm-hmm. language is is I think one of the most important pieces in this game, and it it is something that people comment on a lot is the way that I use the words in the core text. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and this is something I'm a I'm a big fan of that I've been putting a lot more effort for in things that I write is not just the mechanics that you write, not just the strict, this is how you do a thing. Like you roll the, like everyone knows what mechanics are. Mm -hmm. Um, But Adira Slattery actually turned me on to this way of thinking is that mechanics, everything you write in the book is mechanics Mm-hmm. Every single piece of text is a mechanic. There's explicit mechanics, which are roll 2d6, add your stat. And then there are implicit mechanics, which is everything else. Every single mm-hmm. other thing that you write in the book is a mechanic. Um, and I think that people should pay more attention to those. And also mm-hmm. add commentary into your text. I... Mm-hmm. Put, put director's commentary, explain why a thing is a way that it is, um, because that lets people think more about what they're reading. There's, uh, on the commentary bit, also on the implicit bit, bit I, I think that 
one, Adira, why are you hiding that information from me? You didn't say anything about it in your episode. So like Adira's not hiding that. Adira said that in the brain trust like a year ago. Listen, I was in the brain trust during September. I don't know. Where is this archived? Anyways, listen, I Adira. Just you're search great. for every message from Adira. You'll get there. <laughs> read uh, read everything Adira says. Ooh shit, that's good. Like going into the Discord and just typing someone's name and reading all their responses. That might be good. I'm ready. You'll find some really you'll find some really prime stuff if you search for everything I've posted. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I keep seeing because everyone keeps reposting it. A living legend in the brain. Everyone trust. keeps reposting. Hell yeah, I love piss. <laughs> it will never die. Um, I could. But but on the, uh, the that director's commentary thing, it's something I've also thought of for my designs. I bought, I just recently got the Affinity Suite all together, and I bought all the workbooks. And I think I got for some reason I just I'm really attracted to this little bit of orange, like completely differently colored text that says, "Hey, this is you know if you're considering using this tool, da 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 da." Right? And I'm like, wait. What if we, like, where is that? I think I've, I've also seen it in um, Numenera also does this. Numenera has, in their in their textbooks, uh, have a lot of these side designer commentary pieces. I'm like, I like that because what I like about it is, is to say, like, hey, here's the designer here. I don't want this to be, like, a two-way conversation about the nuance of what this text is saying. This is why I wrote this. If you operate outside of it, that's at your own leisure, but this is not my intention. And it's, I don't want to say I want to use it for, like, a protection mode. I think what I want to use it is for, like, a conversational mode in that, hey, if, you, if you're curious as to why I did this and you're looking to hack this or you're looking to iterate upon it or use it in your game, this was the intention behind it. And maybe I say something like, be careful when you adjust this piece of the text or, you know, this isn't meant to be hard. Like, it's malleable. It's Play-Doh. Just change it into whatever you want. I'm not, like, the game will not stress about this being changed. And I think that creates an interesting, like, you're sitting across the table from the designer and they're just sort of like spilling out the full thought to you of whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm taking the time to put that sort of stuff into the gun and slinger SRD. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, and, and I did a lot of that stuff in the next game that we're going to be talking about. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I did, I did them in different ways for different reasons. Um, but I definitely think that designer commentary is very important, as you said, not for a protection method, but for, for a conversation, because I, I, whether or not somebody sits down, like you can put the text in your game and say, this is not a conversation. It's this way for this reason. But the fact is it's a conversation, whether you want it to be or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone takes different things from what they read. Everyone gets different ideas from the same sources of inspiration. Design and play and reading, which is also a form of play, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's all a conversation and it's all two-way whether you want it to be or not. So you should embrace that and give people as much clarity as possible Mm -hmm. so that they can have an intelligent conversation with your design. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because that's that's how we grow. Yeah, I think clarity and providing that, that intelligence to 
the player and also a potential future designer is is important. I think it's like a, it's like a hand holding thing. It's like if if Forge in the if if Blades in the Dark had design commentary with its SRD or even in in the base book, it's like, hey, I want this to be hackable. Here's here's what I considered when I made this mechanic, right? In as tr- in as short of words as possible, but. Uh, I think I think that stuff would have been very cool for me from the from the definitely rip. instead of like having to buy like yeah. principles principles of game theory right like all of that may not apply to trying to hack mm-hmm. BFB or that's Beak Feather Bone for anyone that doesn't know uh, or Blades in the Dark right or yeah Gunning exactly Summer. exactly awesome. awesome 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 great. So as always in the show, if you've been a longtime listener, no time caller, uh, speaking of which, check out the call-in show coming this Sunday. Uh, well, it's probably this Sunday because I released it this Monday. What are you seeing in your design circles and your social commentary as far as game industry is concerned about trends that you're that you I think are cool that you think are rising in games that are being made like this month, last month, future months coming game jams, whatever. If you feel like there are any trends that are being detractful and people should maybe be wary of as they poke at them. And what are some trends that maybe you want to speak into the ether that allow that, that you, that you want to see, like you want to see more designers do in addition to the stuff we've already talked Um, about. I'm going to get like real specific with this one. Let's go. Um, I want people to make more hacks of this Discord has ghosts in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just just do it. Like, Will Yopes and Adam Vast did a fantastic job of designing a game from the ground up to be played with and on Discord. Um, and to my knowledge, uh, Kitchen Nightmares by myself and Chris Bissett is the only hack of it. Mm-hmm. There needs to be more. It's... It's such an interesting way to play a game, and in designing that, in working on that, it really changed the way that I think about certain things. Um, I just want more of that. I want more wacky Discord LARP bullshit. It's amazing, and it's fun, and it's low effort, and it's fan-freaking-tastic. So make more of that. That's what I want. I totally agree, and especially when we have the conversation about where is tabletop gaming moving to in the coming years months whatever have you like i think we're starting to reach a point because of remote from working the covid scenario all this stuff we're really starting to explore the internet we're starting to explore electronic tools we're starting to explore uh all of these uh faculties and um softwares that allow for us to engage with each other right and right now the common base is roll 20 but I'm going to say it. I don't love Roll20. I think it's, it needs some <laughs> What work. a hot take. Yeah, what a hot take. Uh, come at me, Roll20. I don't care. Uh, but I also don't think there's a good substitute for it. Like, I've tried to use Astral. I've experimented with Roll, uh, which I'll always say is, like, not a strong Google Index SEO name. I can never find it. I always have to find play, the email. Playroll.com. Play roll. Yeah. They couldn't... It, <laughs> it's it's hard to search for role. That's that's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. Um 
but there's no like good yeah. VTT alternative. People are like experimenting with Miro and finding a lot of success there, but it doesn't have like a built-in dice roller, but then there are apps. So there's all these piecemeal things, but we still don't really have a space where someone's considered playing a game in a virtual space and all the things that sort of need to be uh, uh, thought about when it comes to these touch points. We talk about this Discord has ghosts in it and designing a game specifically around a platform and synthesizing and resonating in that to, to beautiful execution is like, we need to do, I agree. I think there needs to be way more examination of the future. I think I understand the ritual of sitting at the table taking out a physical pair of dice and writing on a sheet of paper. But honestly, that's not, like for me, I love operating my games in a PDF on my iPad. I love like having the ability to sort of type up my notes in, in my iPad. I love using my electronics because A, it cleans up my real estate on the table. I, I you know, like I, I said, I'm a minimalistic person. So like I hate, have, like I will never band of blades in paper format ever again. It was not fun. I don't like having a giant binder that I have you to flip through. You don't like spreadsheets? Through. No, I don't. No. Uh, <laughs> Damn. I love hyperlinked PDFs where I can be like, oh, that rule is here. Blip. Oh, there's the rule, right? Like, I love drop-down lists. I love all that categorized, foldered shit, dude. Like, it's my jam. Uh, I hate having to, like, tab a folder. And that's me. I'm not saying that my way is the right way. But what I'm saying is that these options now exist and there are people like me who want those options. And I think we're moving into a state where those options, like I think about Lancer and how they have a dedicated apps for their Comic game. Con is so good. Yeah. Yeah. The zone is, is so good. It's so good. And it's yeah. like, um, consider it, consider it when you're designing. Me and Spencer are constantly talking about live design and how we want to build games that never potentially never go to print and that solely operate on. And that comes with its own fallacies, right? Like, internet connections, download space, people's accessibility to technology, like that comes with its own set of hurdles. And I don't want to deny that, but it's like, it's an option. It is now an option and it should be considered as a design ethos potentially. Yeah. I, yes, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Discord, this discord has ghosts in it needs to happen. Needs more of it. Kitchen nightmare. Shouldn't be the only hack. It's a great hack. I've played it. I've been the night. It's good. It's, it's chaos. Good. It's it's a harrowing experience. <laughs> Especially for the night. I can't listen to everyone. <laughs> I really liked um this is a short aside. Adam Bell did a charity stream where he facilitated a game of Kitchen Nightmares. Mm. And the the way that it works, like we only saw and heard everything that he saw and heard, and it was an absolute treat to just watch him <laughs> dissolve over the course of like an hour and a half there every now and then he would just like hop into a room and go oh my fucking god yeah. <laughs> and it was the best it's so good i love that and it's a different energy it's that larp energy as you were saying right it bring, it's another style of principled game design and again bringing larp into a digital space when to my knowledge i mean i i'm sure there are larps that are happening all over the internet and forums and in in other discord channels but something that's designed specifically to interact with those systems with those virtual systems is interesting and very cool and this discord as ghost has been the first of that for sure for sure 
Uh, any other, like, any trends you want to speak into the ethos aside from this Discord has ghosts in it? Uh, every game should have a line where uh, it says, uh, punch a Nazi. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a firm believer in that. And I'm being genuine here right now. This is not a shitpost. You, sure. you, you need to tell people that they're not welcome in our spaces. Yeah. I think that um, in Adam Vass's Necronautilus... Uh, has a passage about fascism and how like it's not appreciated at the table or in any space. Do not detract. This game has some like totalitarian. Uh, I can never say the word totalitarianism. Totalitarian. Thank you. Uh, I got you. Thank you. Uh, words, words guru over here. But it, it mentions that and says, "Hey, this game has these themes. We do not appreciate people who actually like vibe with those themes. They are to be explored in this space mm-hmm. and in the safety mm-hmm. of all the players at the table. Mm-hmm. If you supersede that, you are not welcome here." And this 100%. book, expli- this book, and this designer explicitly tell you that. Um, and I think I think some of that stuff is is definitely important. When I say some, I mean like the sum of the book's whole, not like. S U M. Yeah, S U M. That that I think I think it's important to start talking about like, hey, if someone's being detractive in your game, get get them out of here. Like yeah. it it doesn't need to happen. You don't have you're not obligated to, for that person's fun anymore because they don't yep. want to be obligated for your fun. Yep 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 yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> yup. Yep, 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 <laughs> real, real big seagulls from Finding Nemo energy. Yep, yep. Hey there, everyone. Uh, this is going to be an amazing two-parter, so I will leave you with the theme song of the show, and you can vibe with that for the next minute and a half. And we will see you next week with Nevin's part two episode. There's a lot more to talk about and a lot more Nevin to have. So I look forward to seeing you then. As always, you can catch me at JeremyH5 over on Twitter. If you like the show, make sure to donate over to the Venmo or Kofi profiles by using the link tree to access those pages. Otherwise, I will see you next time. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.